All right, I need to talk about one more person, actually. They're not on our staff. And I need to talk to you about Justin Bieber, all right? Now, before you walk out, I get it, okay? I've never been a Bieber fan. In fact, years ago, I, we were on a youth trip. This song came on, and I found myself just going, I can get into this. I like this. And I looked at the person playing music, and I said, who is this? He's like, it's Bieber, bro. And I was like, oh, I stopped immediately. I thought, I can't, I can't jam to Bieber. I just can't do it. He said, no, he's good now. We like Bieber now. And I, I still, I can't get there right now. But Justin Bieber recently made uh, waves in, in social media because he posted something on Instagram. Let me read this to you. He said, hey, world. That glamorous lifestyle that you see portrayed by famous people on Instagram. Don't be fooled thinking their life is better than yours. I can promise you it's not. And he got lit up for this. I mean, you can imagine. Here's this celebrity, can buy anything they want. They've got millions of followers. They, they can just do whatever they want. They get to do this, uh, they get to have this music talent and then do that for a living and travel the world. And he's telling us it's not all it's cracked up to be. And, and you and I would probably naturally first step think, that's easy for you to say. And it's easy for you to go there, Biebs, all right? That's what I think anyway. It's easy for you to go there. But as I thought about it more, you know what I realized? Bieber's right. Bieber's right. And I don't know the kind of lifestyle that he knows. Um, I've never known that. But I think he's getting at something important. And it's actually something that the passage we're going to be in this morning, I believe, is pointing at inside of us. Let me read to you out of Isaiah chapter 55, verse 2, an incredibly relevant question. Then, when it was written, and now for us. Isaiah 55 verse 2 says, Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Because ultimately, do you know what your heart is looking for? It's to be satisfied. And what marketers have realized is that that's what is at work inside of us. And so when we see a commercial for that thing that we just suddenly have to have, you know what that's touching on inside of us? The heart's desire and need to be satisfied. And that oftentimes when we engage the different things in our lives, the material things, the things that we daydream about having, that lifestyle that Bieber is pointing at, you know what it is? It's a squirrel. It's a squirrel because we're led to believe that that, having that thing is finally going to satisfy. You know what the truth is? It won't. It won't. And, And there's a reminder for us here that it's not really what the things do to us. It's what we bring to them. See, the, the iPhone doesn't actually do anything to you, but there's something inside you that you bring to it. Or that car doesn't actually do anything to you, but there is something that you and I, we bring to it. Or whatever, you could fill in the blank with any object, with anything. In fact, the language of I want to be satisfied really has three words. It just has three words. Number one, the word more. Isn't the word more always at work inside of us? I mean, think about it. You eat this incredible meal that you think you're not going to eat for two more months. And two hours later, where are you? In front of the refrigerator, aren't you? 
and, and you're, or you're sitting in front of the TV and you're snacking and you're going, why am I eating? I, I'm not even hungry, but this is just what we do because we want more. The second word that, that the language of I want to be satisfied throws at us is now. Now. We say more and we say now. One of the, one of the things I work through with uh, engaged couples when they're in premarital counseling, we talk about the holidays. And the reason we talk about the holidays is because we all have traditions that we grew up with around the holidays. And you are in a certain place at a certain time, and we do this thing every single year. I.e., every single Christmas Eve, maybe you grew up, you open one present, and then the next morning you open the rest. So that's how I grew up. And I remember the first year we were married, we went to my parents' house. Bit of a change. We opened everything there with them on Christmas Eve. The next day, we go to my, my wife's parents, and they, they did things differently through the years. See, I, I was satisfied because everything got opened within 24 hours. That next day, that first year, rude awakening. They open one present, and then they might wait a few hours, and they'll open the next one, and then they'll say, hey, and then you guys can come back in a few days, and we can open the next one. And I went, what? And you know what that is? That's now inside. I want more, and I want it now. There's a third word the language of I want to be satisfied uh, uses. More, now, and mine. Mine. You know the seagulls in Finding Nemo? Mine, 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 mine. That's, that's how it goes. I also notice when you play volleyball. If you want to win as a team, what do you have to yell a lot? Mine, mine. You've got to call it out or else you end up looking at each other. Like, why didn't you get it? But this word is just constantly working inside of us. More, now, and mine. And that thing in us that wants satisfaction is always calling out those things all the time. And here's the thing. The pursuit, the pursuit of what I have actually overlooks a more important question. And it's this, what has me? Because ultimately, when I'm run by more and now and mine, you know what I'm actually doing? I'm bringing all my hopes and I'm bringing all my love and I'm bringing all my worship to the thing that I'm staring at. And, and the things that we own actually end up owning us, can't they? They can absolutely own us. There's, there's a man named Paul uh, Grinberg, and he's a food critic. He set out in 2011 to eat at the world's top 100 restaurants. And you know how many he's gotten to? 99. 99. But the 100th restaurant is owning him. And the reason it's owning him is because he can't get in. And this thing that he has just wanted and desired and dreamed about and wanted, he just doesn't see his life as complete without it. He said, I can't get in. It's Sushi Saito in, in downtown Tokyo. And Sushi Saito is an eight-seat private members-only restaurant. And he has discovered, he has tried to, he has tried to offer to pay more. He's offered to uh, advertise them in his column or his articles that he writes. He's reached out to contacts at... Um, uh, Goldman Sachs, he can't get in at all. And he said, it is now causing him to lose sleep. It is just controlling his life. And this, this honor that he wants to have is actually owning him. And what he's discovered, specifically with Sushi Saito, is that only a private member can get you in. It doesn't matter that he holds up to him what he has, his credentials or anything. 
he's discovered the thing that we all know. It's not what you have. It's who you have or who you know. But as, as we walk through Isaiah 55 over the next few minutes, I believe an even bigger truth emerges that all of us needs to walk out of here knowing that more important than what I have is who has me. Because when I think about my Christian life and I think about having Jesus, that's too small of a place. It's too small of a compartment to put Jesus into and our heavenly father into. Because when I think I have Jesus, I often compartmentalize him. And I think, okay, he, he's part of this area of my life and he's part of this area of my life, but don't touch this area because I don't want you to mess that up. But as you look at Isaiah chapter 55, God responds to the more and the now and the mine. I wanna walk you through three responses as we walk through this passage. The first one is a response to that thing in us that says more. Look at verse two. Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. He's saying, you know, King David, that, that love I showed him, God is saying, even though he strayed, even though David didn't get it right, I still kept my covenant with him. I still loved him faithfully. He goes on. <clears throat> Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with, and look at this word, splendor. When was the last time you looked around your life at the things you have, the people you know, the things that you've been brought through and thought the word splendor? That's a hard one, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's not really a word that comes across my mind regularly in my everyday life. But splendor, see the first response to that thing in us, that more now in mind, the first response is really look around. God says, look, if I, if I was with King David, if I endowed him with splendor and he ran and turned from me over and over and over, uh, will I not do that for you as well? I have given you splendor. And here's the thing. It has nothing to do with more or now or mine. It has everything to do with looking at what he has placed in our lives. Our homes, our transportation, our families, our circumstances. And, and while we tend to see what's not ideal, you know what it is? It's the splendor of God. And so I'd ask, whether it's right after service or maybe sometime this week, just make a list. Just make a list of all the different things in your life that maybe, maybe just might have some splendor to them. First response of God is look around. There's a second response, and it comes about in verse six. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Now you gotta think about something here. This was written, this is Isaiah. This is Old Testament. That is for them, the cross had not happened yet. And so all they had was the assurance, but they had to trust that God would freely pardon, that he would have mercy on them. It's not the case for us. We live on this side of the cross, which means after we're done looking around at the splendor in our lives, do you know what you and I get to do? We get to look back 
at the substitute and the sacrifice he placed in our lives. That he sent his son to the cross to be our sacrifice. So we look around and we look back. Now, I didn't get this when I was younger. When we took communion, nobody had ever explained to me what communion actually looked like. I mean, I didn't know what it was for. As a kid, I thought, oh, this is really nice of them to give us a snack in the middle of of service here. And I've come to know it is so much more than that. It is actually our opportunity. And we do it here once a month, first Sunday of the month, to look back and to remember that for everything that screams more and now and mine, God says, no, look, look what you already have because of what I already did. So we look around, we look back, third response comes up in verse eight through 11. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think, and and we all think, it's all about us, don't we? And God says, yeah, but my ways, my ways are higher. My thoughts are higher. And there are implications to that. God God goes on through Isaiah. Verse 10, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Do do you notice who it all originates with there? Yeah, it's it's God. And then do you notice what happens as his word goes out? There's imagery of life here. And then do you notice who it all ends up with again? Him. Which means after you and I look around at the splendor he's endowed us with, and we look back at his sacrifice and substitution on our behalf at the cross, you know what he now, this, this was just for me personally, you know what this said? Look over, look over. That is, this is a stewardship. After you see the splendor, after you see the sacrifice and substitution on your behalf, look around and see the stewardship I've given you. Because God has allowed us to be part of what he's up to in the world. And that is a stewardship. There's no other way to look at it. We have to be able to look at what he's up to in the world and the opportunities he's given and maybe that list that you, that you make later today and say, that's a stewardship and that's a stewardship and that's a stewardship. So we look around and we look back and we look over God, what he's up to here on earth. See, more important than what I have is who has me, isn't it? And so I guess the question I'd ask is, who has you? Who has me? Who has us? By that, I mean, who have I given my heart to? If you pay attention to the words of Jesus in in Matthew and in Luke, he says, nobody can serve two, do you know what the word is? Masters. See, we think we own things, but Jesus would say they can actually own you. They can become a master or you can turn your life over to one who is even beyond master, who is Lord and Savior. And when you do that, I love where Isaiah 55 ends. When you do that, 
you gain the experience that honestly your heart is looking for when it looks to stuff. Verse 12, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. I don't even know what myrtle is, but it sounds awesome. The myrtle will grow. You know what this imagery is? This imagery is actually joy, peace, it's harmony. This is what your heart and my heart are looking for and that we tend to look to things to give us. You know how much of this, this imagery you have, this experience you have when you give your heart to your Savior? All of it. Do you know how much you have when you pursue it through stuff? None of it. None of it because it doesn't last. Isaiah lands there. He says, this will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. See, you and I, are going to spend our lives on something or someone. Our lives are going to be taken up by something. And Isaiah, God through Isaiah says, why not spend it on the one who's going to continue to replenish your life? Because stuff is going to fade and moth and rust are going to destroy it. But your heavenly father, if you'll look, if you'll look around, if you'll look back and you'll look over, you will experience his abundant life. One story and I'm done. I'll invite the worship team to come out. It's, there's a well-known story after World War II, after the bombing raids were conducted, that thousands and thousands of children were orphaned. And many of these children, they were sent to shelters and uh, into refugee camps. And what, what the caretakers in those places discovered were that these children could not sleep at night for fear of another bombing raid or for fear that they were gonna wake up the next morning and they were gonna be homeless and without anybody to care for them again. And finally, one person had the idea to send them to bed with a loaf of bread. You know what happened? Night number one, a majority of these thousands of children's, children, they slept through the night. They were able to finally rest because they were reminded that the free gift of God was his love and his care for us, given on our behalf at the cross. And so as we leave this week, I'd ask you to look around because you know what you, know what you find when you do that? That bread. And when you look back at the cross, at the substitute on our behalf and the sacrifice that was made, that's bread for us to live on. And as you look over, as you look at that list and you see it as a stewardship you realize that that is bread he has given to us. And so let me pray and we will close in one, one last song. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are a God who continues to remind us as Jesus promised that you will build your church and nothing, nothing, nothing will overcome it. And Lord, we bring our hearts before you because we've all brought our hopes and our love and our worship to the things all around us when really we need to bring them to you. And so where that's happened, Lord, we ask for your healing touch. We ask you to remind us that we have only to look around, look back and look over the splendor that you've put in our lives. Write that on our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.